Guys, I'm going to introduce our guest preacher this morning, which I'm very excited for. Um, Delvin Pikes has been a friend of mine for almost 20 years. We met in 2003. The two of us entered into a vocational ministry around the same time, and uh, we were both part of uh, the, the family of churches that Grace City belongs to called Every Nation. Um, me in California, I think you were still in Kentucky at that point, if I'm remembering correctly. Still Tennessee, okay, so he was in Tennessee. Um, and uh, so we attended Every Nation's School of Campus Ministry, which is essentially, or was essentially a six-month crash course in how to be a missionary on, on a university campus, reaching, discipling students. It, it was a trip, quite, quite an adventure. Delvin and I ended up sharing an apartment together. It was me and two other guys for six months, just kind of thrown in together. And so that's when I met Delvin and got to know him quite well over a period of six months, uh, learning together, getting into all sorts of trouble together, and praying a lot together. So that was about 20 years ago. Since then, uh, Delvin has continued to serve in ministries, now on staff at our Every Nation Church in Nashville, Tennessee, called Bethel. Um, he's the next-gen pastor there, and um, yeah, he's gotten a couple degrees since then, um, sort of left me in the dust. He has his, his doctor of ministry uh, from Asbury Seminary, specializing in leadership and preaching, and it is my very great honor to welcome Delvin Pikes to our pulpit. Let's give him a hand. Thank you, Simon. Thank you for not telling all the stories of how I snored and that's, yeah, I get to share those. Oh yeah, I'll, I'll, own, I'll own the many times that I kept you up. Uh, well, greetings. Uh, it's really great to be with you guys from Nashville. Um, it's kind of become a, a bit of a, a rite of passage for all of our campus missionaries that go and serve college students because that school we were a part of is now in Nashville. So that's how I met Lily uh, years ago, uh, several campus missionaries through the years in Nashville. And so it's just, it's just an honor to be here with you guys. I wanted, uh, because they could not come, and uh, I'm glad we actually didn't plan for them to come because they all started kind of going down with sickness. But I wanted to introduce you to my family real quick. Yes, uh, these are all my kids. Uh, didn't borrow kids. We were actually... Uh, you know, uh, we're actually on the beach here, so that's why one of my sons doesn't have his shirt on. But uh, this, this is my crew. We have five boys, two girls, and, and uh, yeah, we, I think I'm showing you this picture really to let you know people from Tennessee have teeth. That was kind of my goal. <laughs> and, uh, and so there's my wife, Janessa. We've been married 15 years, and uh, she's awesome. She went to the University of Texas. And uh, actually was in our campus ministry there, and that's how we wound up crossing paths. Uh, my oldest is standing to the back with the locks. He's Simeon. Uh, he's 14 in eighth grade. Judah is in front of me with the hat turned backwards. He's in sixth grade. And then I have uh, Eden, third grader. Elias, who's a first grader. Selah, who's a kindergartner. And I'm holding big Tobias, who's three. And uh, little, Tobi uh, little Gideon, I'm sorry, my wife is holding he is now one. So this picture's a year older, so just imagine everybody taller, bigger, and uh, yeah, not following instructions, mostly. Um, I'll do, okay, not cleaning their dishes. Let's just start there. Um, 
But uh, I, I wanted to, to want to introduce you to them. I also wanted to bring greetings from our church at Bethel, uh, Pastor James, our senior pastor there. Um, some of you know he mentioned Every Nation. Uh, our headquarters are right down the street, so not even a mile away is our headquarters where our offices bring greetings, as well as uh, our Pastor Rice Brooks, our, our bishop and overseer of our Bethel churches, um, and, and really all of our founders are kind of have all moved for, uh, for Every Nation. They live in the Nashville area and base out of there. And so just greetings to you guys. Y'all are part of something bigger, and I'm glad that we get to uh, share some time together. Um, Today, we're, this passage, you guys have been walking through John, and for me, this is a beautiful book. Uh, I know it's been a long journey if you've been kind of here this all year, and like, can we actually look at one book for the whole year? But I feel like what we just read, um, it, it, it's almost like John is beginning to tie a bow on everything. And what, what's so powerful um, is we, we see really two things I'm going to talk about today. Jesus walking through walls, and Jesus getting us to walk into the world. And, and here's the thing, um, I don't know about you, fear is, is one of the oddest things in life. You know, it, it, it will cause you to do strange things. I've noticed the only parallel to me is love, is like if you love someone or something, you do kind of weird things. But fear makes you equally do weird and strange things. I mean, when you are afraid, I mean, it, we, I was just with students last week, and, and, and kind of my role is serving our high school, uh, our youth there in, in Nashville, our college students, uh, and, and, and our kids. And man, just last week I was on campus, and we were talking about fighting fear. And of course, this was just a day after this one holiday. I don't know, you, you know, if y'all celebrate Halloween, I, I don't know if that's even a thing in Portland. Uh, y'all probably don't get weird, right? Uh, it's that the one day Portland does not stay weird. Um, for us, it was like, you know, let's just be honest. I mean, uh, just scary movies. I, I, told, I told all the students, I said, listen, I don't have to watch another scary movie in my life uh, because I have enough fear in my own life. And, and I, I just remember so many times watching so many scenes. And that now when I get into the car, I don't know if you're like this, I get into the car and look in the back seat because I've seen that scene enough where the guy kind of pops up, something tragic happens, Right. I'm sure it'll be in Scream, you know, 43 or whatever when they, when they kind of get to that one. But this idea of fear, it, it makes us have these strange reactions. And, you know, if you're a psychologist, a counselor, you probably are familiar with these phrases, uh, flight, fight, or freeze. That our bodies physiologically have this, 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 this thing when we're afraid, when we don't know what somebody's going to say, when we don't know uh, a room we walk into with a bunch of strangers, when, we, when we're not sure of, of if the boss is going to send me that email or not, or what did he mean by that? We, our bodies do have a literal response, chemical response. And fight, flight, or freeze is usually the kind of way people describe it is, is some of us kind of bow up. We kind of, our muscles tense. It's almost as if, you know, uh, you know touch the hinge and pow, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to snap off like a mousetrap. Some of us, you know, we freeze up and we literally we're frozen. We don't know what to do. We don't know what to say. And some, some of us, man, you know, we, we don't uh, go into f- uh, fight or freeze. Man, we run. We run. We, we, we talk with our feet. We avoid. We, we avoid the conflict of that relationship. We, we, we avoid the scenario that, is, that could cause that fear to maybe grow and, and be realized. In a lot of ways, fear is just faith in a dark way. Faith that you just know it's going to end up the worst. 
And, and I love this passage today because I, not only does the Bible, you know, get people want to argue the Bible that, you know, it's, it's not uh, written uh, but by man, and that's kind of to insinuate that, hey, listen, uh, this, we don't need to accept anything it says because it doesn't accurately portray reality. And this, passages like this remind me that the first disciples, the people who are writing this, even John himself, he's telling on himself. To put it another way, I'll, I'll kind of reinterpret a little bit what he said. Guys, I was scared to death <laughs> after Jesus died. And it wasn't just me. It was all the people that had followed Jesus for three years. Just to give you a little recap, Jesus Christ, he was the son of God. He came as a baby, though, kind of through the curveball of all curveballs. He came not as a king sitting on a chariot. I always imagine Jesus, you know, if I was Jesus and, and God said, I'm your, your son and you're going to go show everybody how to, and how to redeem humanity and, and fix everything that's broken, I'm going to show up in probably a Lambo. <laughs> probably either that or a Cadillac Escalade. It's kind of right there with me right now. And it's going to be on a cloud. It's not going to be as an embryo. It's not going to be as a single cell, and I'm going to start and go through this whole thing that the human uh, experience goes through. And I'm going to go through every temptation, every uh, circumstance, every high and low, and I'm going to go through it all and yet never sin. And he goes through this whole experience, never steps on the mind of the minefield, of the brokenness of this world, never, never gives a wrong response to a religious leader, never, never has a wrong answer, never, never uh, disobeys his parents even. And he, he gets to the cross, the ultimate destination. He knew it was coming for his life, and he gives his whole life. And, and this sacrifice for our sin, he was the only one who was actually able to pay because he had not sinned. And because of his sacrifice and his death, uh, you know, the, the, the thinking of the disciples is that was the end. If this was politics, it would be like, man, we voted and we were supposed to be in the cabinet of this presidential candidate, yet he died. On election day, he dies. He doesn't get the, the final, uh, you know, ride, ride in on, on the, the presidential caravan. He actually dies. He gets murdered. He gets killed. And, and this, this causes the natural reaction for the disciples that we all would have as well. I mean, they, they are a mixed bag of emotions because Jesus has died at the hands of Romans and their fellow, fellow Jewish brothers. Their very own, one of their very own, one of these 12 disciples, Judas, he, he, he did the ultimate betrayal. He got in with the wrong people and actually sold Jesus out for some money. And they're in a, a locked room because of fear. Here's my question, because I think this is... This is uh, a, a broader thing than what we're talking about, just us in this room. But right now, I want to park real close to your, to your house, to your neighborhood. What are you afraid of today? And what has you locked up in here? What is it like that's in your soul right now that deeply you're afraid of and that it is actually hindering you from the world? Because we don't put locks on our doors because we love everybody. We don't have locks in place on our cars and our, our houses and our apartments, not because, man, but because we're afraid of some things. And hear me, there are some things to be afraid of in a healthy way. But I'm talking about the negative sense of this today. The disciples there in the room, they're scared to death. Why? Because Jesus Christ had died, they saw it with their own eyes, and they all have not seen him risen yet. Can I tell you, some of you, the answer to your fear right now is that you need to see Jesus just like these disciples. 
You say, man, I, I don't understand where my life is going. I don't understand what's going on right now. The world is going crazy. There's a lot of things to be afraid of. Uh, for them, it was religious leaders, the people who killed Jesus, like they're right outside the door. Again, that's a healthy fear at some level. The negative side is they were stuck there. Jesus had shown himself to Mary. You guys read that uh, not long ago here. I heard you go back and check it out if you're not checked out some of these messages through this book of John. And Mary had saw Jesus, and she went back to tell the disciples, but they're still afraid, and they're still locking doors. And I love this passage. Because what does it say? It says that Jesus shows up. In the middle of locked up hearts, in the middle of locked up mindsets, in the middle of fear that was paralyzing them at some level, maybe they were ready to run. Some of them wound up walking away in the road of Emmaus, Luke tells us. that Some of them said, I'm, I'm, I'm out. Peter, not long after, he decides, I'm going to Galilee. Some of them were going to run away. Some of them were ready to fight. All of them, though, were facing fear. Some of us today, we're, we're locked up in fear. Some of us are afraid of being politically incorrect. Some of us are being afraid of, of man, there, there's too much turmoil and tribalism and division in our country. I don't want to ever say anything to anyone, especially about Jesus, because I already, I mean, this is Portland. They don't want to hear about Jesus. And, and here's the thing. I, some of us have, again, legitimate fears. Some of us have been treated wrong, badly, unjustly. And, and we, 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 we know that, you know what, if I have a relationship with someone, you know, you're talking about uh, meet grace and having these moments. If I really open my heart up to people to, to actually have a relationship, be known again, be, have a friendship again, I'm going to be let down like I was before. If I, if I truly, if we're all honest, again, uh, fear of failure, fear of rejection, fear of success, you can fill in the blank with what we can be afraid of. We're all dealing with some type of fear in here. And again, the answer is that locked doors are no match for this resurrected Jesus. He walks right into their fear, into their locked room, and he just kind of just pops up. I just, you know, there's, there's some moments, I, and when I get to heaven, man, I want to see the replay. Can I see the camera footage? Do you have a ring doorbell for this? This is going to be really fun. Because I'm just wondering, it just says he came and he just stood with them. I, I don't, I mean, in my head, I'm like, man, I mean, how long did he stand there? You know, I don't know what they're doing. They're obviously not just having a celebratory party. I mean, maybe they're all just kind of lounging. Maybe they're, you know, disheveled. Maybe they're crying. Maybe they're, somebody's pacing. And he just kind of walks up in the middle of the room. What's up, guys? <laughs> Simon always had the best what's ups when we were roommates. You know, he just kind of, hey, guys. And that, that was always our reaction, too. It's like, oh, I, I don't know what I was doing before. That was, you just broke the ice. And when Jesus says, peace be with you, that was a common Jewish greeting and a common greeting of the day. And it's just like saying, hey, what's going on? What are you guys up to? And it said that, uh, we'll go back here and let me actually read the text here. He says, uh, Jesus came and he stood among them and he said, peace be with, you, be with you, verse 19. And he said, after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. You say, man, I, I, I thought, you know, uh, he, was, he was nailed in his hands, but doesn't it say that the crucifixion, there's no way you can be held by his hands? The, the word here for hand is the same as your forearm and your hand. It was all the same word in the Greek and the Hebrew. He was nailed in his wrist, and he shows them his wounds. I love that we were singing about that, pouring our, our, our lives out on the wounds of Jesus. And he's showing them his hands, he's showing them his side, and they can't believe it. And it says that they were overjoyed. Man, what a switch. 
They had just been locking doors and afraid of the world. Now their hearts are full. Again, the answer today for fear, whatever you're fearing, whatever you will fear, take a long look at this resurrected Jesus. Remind yourselves of his nail-pierced hands and his wounds on his side and the wounds in his feet. And you know what? What what he offers is that I have overcome the world. There is no situation, circumstance, system, mindset uh, that, that, that you could say, well, Jesus doesn't know. Man, he knows. He's overcome even the worst injustice. And man, he overcame it on the cross. And, and now he says again in verse 21, because not only did Jesus walk through the walls, he encourages them to go walk into the world. See, he says, peace be with you. He repeats it again. And, and he says, as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. Now, now, this word here, again, I, I don't know your view of Jesus. I, you know, in the South, we struggle with, with firefighter Jesus. Everybody wants Jesus as a firefighter. You only call a firefighter when what? There's a fire, right? And so, we, we, you know, everyone, we're in my neck of the woods, they, 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 they only want Jesus when it's bad. And I know this, this neck of the woods is a little bit different maybe. Maybe they only want social justice Jesus who will help the poor, the marginalized, but, but who, who won't tell them what to do, who won't actually instruct them of how they should live their life outside of uh, helping others. You know, again, he doesn't just walk into their lives, but he says, you know what, I'm a missionary Jesus as well. I know it's kind of cliche now. It's not, not, not kind of a word that people use, but the word that is used here for sent is actually the word, Greek word is miseo. It's, it's, it's a word that means to be sent, to be sent with a mission. My, my question to you is not uh, what has God called you to do as a vocation today, but are you sent there? Not are you working a job, are you in school, but are you sent there? You see, you see what Jesus says is you're not just sent by me, you are sent as I was sent. That Jesus, in a, in a real way, he's a missionary God. God, is, God has a missionary heart, and he is out to seek and save the lost. That's one of the things that Jesus said he came to do. And he's actually after people's hearts. I'll say it a different way. He is actually walking through walls into so many people's lives right now. And if there is an invitation today, it's an invitation to see that Jesus Christ has a mission for you. All of the the Gospels kind of talk about this. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all end not just with Jesus dying, not just with him being resurrected, but him looking at his disciples in the eye and saying, all right, your turn, tag, you're it. I'm sending you. You say, but but Jesus, uh, I thought you were going to do all the work and, you know, you you, you did that stuff on the cross, you rose from the dead. All right, you you go and win the world for Jesus. No, 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 that's, that's you. You go and you go and there's brokenness, there's healing, there's, there's, there's restoration needed, there's racism out here. How are we going to overcome it? All right, they, you're it. You're my plan A. You say, man, that sounds really impossible. Well, if it doesn't sound impossible, you probably have just started trying to do some of the, the fixing of the world's problems. And anybody who has been involved for any length of time in any of the world's problems will tell you very quickly, it's too big a journey for them. It's too big a task. To, well, just pick one. Poverty, homelessness here. Is it just one silver bullet that's going to solve it all? No. 
And anybody who's involved in that world, you guys, I love that you guys are doing a community pantry, doing this thing. As soon as you get it, you realize it's the ocean. It's not just a bucket. You, and you feel like all I've got is a bucket. All I can throw is just a little bit, but there's a whole ocean of water that's needing to be changed. And all I'm doing is throwing a drop into an ocean. You see, the, the mission that Jesus sent us on, he doesn't ask us to do everything. He asks us to do our things. And this is the things that you say, how do you do it? I love how he says it. He says, you're, you're to be sent as I am. And then he says it with this phrase, receive the Spirit. Now, this is, this is not belabored. There's not a whole long explanation and uh, long teaching about the Spirit. Why? Because John has been teaching, that, that Jesus has been teaching the whole of his ministry about the Spirit. This was part of like, again, he's tying a little bit of a bow because the, the Holy Spirit was all throughout Jesus' ministry. Give you a little recap in, in, in the very first chapter of John, John chapter 1. John the Baptist, not the same John. Uh, another John, he introduced Jesus as the one who will come to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Part of Jesus' uh, uh, plan, part of his mission is to make sure that those that are following him, they get fully immersed in the, in the life of the Spirit. Fully empowered with, with all of the power, so to speak, that he had been operating in. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead would be inside of them. Um, it goes on in, in John chapter 7. I love that it's actually painted right outside your, your, your sanctuary here. It says that uh, Jesus said that rivers of living water would flow from within. And it said by that he meant those who not only believed but that had the spirit. Having the Spirit is like having God's love, power, ability, and, and supernatural things that Jesus had and did, having it come into your life and flowing out of your life. That's why it's a river of living water. Again, maybe you're in here today. You say, you know what? I'm a believer. I've been believing God for a long time. My question is, is your life a river for the Holy Spirit to flow through? Is, 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 would the people around you get life from you everywhere that you go? Are you leaking the Holy Spirit's power and love everywhere that, that God takes you? Because that is how Jesus was sent. We, we see later on, he, he continues to talk about the Holy Spirit. He said that the, in John 14 that the Spirit would be in us. Uh, John 16, he, said, he actually goes as bold. This is Jesus' words, words in red. He says, it is better that I go away so that I can send the Spirit to you. I'll, I'll put it, it, it just local. It would be like Pastor Simon standing up and saying, guys, this is my last Sunday. It's better that I leave you here. And you guys would go, really? Better we don't have a pastor? How could that be better than having a pastor? Jesus, how could, how could you not being here be a better thing? He says, because I'm going to send a helper. And he's not just coming for one person. He's coming for each one of you. And the Holy Spirit is wanting today to multiply the life and the ministry of Jesus in every single one of you. So that now when we walk out of here, it's not the Holy Spirit's in Pastor Simon. The Holy Spirit's in this elder. The Holy Spirit's in this person who leads worship. But it's that the Holy Spirit's in all of us. That wherever we go this week, we are taking the life and power of God in us. To say it a different way, Jesus never intended for his ministry to end. 
I'll say that one more time. Jesus never intended his ministry to end. He never intended his mission to end. He actually says, you know what? This is the cool part about following me. I'm going to do it through you. I love basketball and um, I always, you know, I played football in college. One One of my dreams, though, was always to play basketball. Just needed about five more inches and 100 more pounds maybe, and then, you know, I would, I would be there, NBA. And, and, and here's the great thing. I mean, if, if I was to tell you guys today, why don't you leave here and go do what uh, Damian Lillard or LeBron James uh, does? Why don't you go home and do that? You would go, <laughs> I, I didn't see anybody 6'8 in here, you know. Uh, that, that, that's, a, that's a laughable suggestion. But what if I could get LeBron James into you? What could you do? What if I could take the ability and the, 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 the skill of someone else and place that inside of you? You say, you don't know what I've been through. You don't know who I am. You don't know how tall I am. I'm going to tell you, whoever you were will change. And who and what you're able to do next, it's, it, 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 it would blow your mind. I believe in many ways there's an invitation happening. As Jesus breathed on them, he told them to receive the Spirit. Uh, All of this harkens to many of the other times in the Bible where where it says that uh, in Genesis 2, it said God breathed on Adam and he became a living soul. Uh, Ezekiel 37, uh, Ezekiel the prophet gets this vision of a valley of dry bones and and God tells him of some things to say to these dry bones and he watched them become uh, together and then they get ligaments and then he says, man, they don't have breath in them and he says, prophesy to the breath and life and breath comes inside of them. You see, in in many ways, this, this is speaking to a new life that is happening inside of these disciples. And what we just read today is when all of the disciples who had known Jesus who could finish his sentences, who have funny stories to tell of the things that they said and did together. All of these great examples, they were encountering for the first time that they could be alive on the inside. My, my, as, as, we're, as we're beginning to land this plane today, my, some of my questions for you about receiving the Spirit is, are you alive on the inside? Has God breathed into you? You say, how do do I know if I've had a second start on my spiritual journey? You've had a moment where you let Jesus breathe life into you. You went from being dead on the inside to being alive in God. I'll say it a different way. I used to, when I, when I, I grew up in, in a religious family and I knew a lot of rules and do's and don'ts, but, the, but I love sin. You know what really made me alive was to do all the wrong things that I knew I shouldn't be doing. I mean, my sin, my, my list is pretty long. I can roll it out here and, and, and other people could testify all the sin that I had in my life. And that sin, I loved it, even though I knew it was wrong. But something changed in me when I got born again, when I, when I uh, John Wesley, uh, a, a early, uh, you know, person that helped start the Methodist movement, he, he said one night it was like his heart got strangely warmed. When, it, when, when I realized that something happened where I didn't love sin anymore, but now I love God, and I wanted to do what he wanted more than what I used to want. Something had happened on the inside. I had come alive in Christ. See, that's my question to you. If you've received the Spirit, you've come alive on the inside. You've received a, a new breath of life. But lastly, if you've received the Spirit, you now have the opportunity to walk out unlocked doors. 
You see, if Jesus walks into through walls, he wants his disciples to walk out unlocked doors. I could, I could just, for me, it's just a bit of a picture. Uh, that first day, the next day, them, them literally unlocking, unbolting that door, and it's, it's a new world. The mission of God to, to reach this world. Again, they were 12. We have way more than 12 in here. They were 12 and, 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 and limited in number. Just about 40 days later, the Holy Spirit would be poured out in one of their prayer meetings, one of their get-togethers, and it was such a powerful way that when they opened those doors, they all began to go speak in different languages that they had not learned. And hundreds of thousands of Jewish people were in the streets, and they began to hear them praising God in their own language. And when that happened, the, the first church got started. You see, what we read was Easter night, but let me tell you, there is a spirit that God has promised both now and later that he wants to pour out on us. Even today, we're going to have a moment here in just a minute. We're going to pray. And you, if you need to receive the Spirit, if you need to come alive on the inside, if you need to be filled up with his power to accomplish his mission, I'm telling you, he wants to fill you up. He died for you to have it. He said, it's better that I go away, so you have that. He wants you to be full of him because this world needs his love. He needs his love. I'll never forget, and I'm closing here, in college I was, I encountered the Lord um, as a sophomore, and um, my, thankfully, a, much like this church, someone had the boldness, the audacity, the courage to think some of this stuff was real, like I really have a mission with God. And a handful of families, they all moved to my college town, and they started reaching out to my college campus. And I was on a football team uh, serving myself, uh, you know, the, the unholy trinity, me, myself, and I. And, 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 and this was not working well for me. I mean, I was pretty depressed, pretty, pretty stuck. You know, again, we're talking about fear. I mean, I, I did not know at the moment how much fear I was living my life full of. That was literally what was making me good at football. I was scared to get hurt. I was scared of something happening to myself. So I would run extra fast. And man, I just thought I was doing great. And I'll never forget when I, when I came to Christ, because I was still playing, it, it changed everything. It actually made me a better player. It actually made me a better teammate. It actually made me a better son. Because God now had, gave me a different motivation. See, instead of fear, now I had love. This, this whole passage we don't have time to go into today, he ends with talking about forgiveness. I had a new power to forgive myself, to forgive other people. This transformed everything. Why? Because I had this new spirit, this new life inside of me. And as I, as I continued to read the scriptures, that the promise for now and later of the Holy Spirit, it became a reality in my life. I got filled up with the Holy Spirit. One night on my dorm room bed. I'll never forget how, how ordinary it felt, but that extraordinary my life became. Because now, every single day, I felt like I was on an assignment. I don't know how to describe this. I, all I know how to say is, I felt like every day God assigned a person to me. It was not out of, like, obligation, like, all right, you got to go talk to people about Jesus today. Nobody told me any of this. It was, it was almost like I was, uh, I, I was literally fishing. Who is it today, Lord? Holy Spirit, who is it that you were whispering to last night? And I would find people, and I, and I encounter people, and they would say, man, man, uh, uh, man, I'm glad we talked. I'm glad, you know, man, you're so happy today. What's going on with you? 
I, you know, somebody told me a long time ago, you know, God has another name. It's something. And so that people just, it just happened every single day almost. Man, something told me to come over here and sit by you. Something, something, man, something's told me to come to this restaurant today. Something, something told me to come in the cafeteria. Something, man, something told me I need to go to that, go to something. And then you invited me to the Bible study today. And wow, here, here I am. And man, this changed my life. And what I started seeing, again, this is no glory to me. This is God and me just saying, you know what, now I'm ready to walk out of all the unlocked doors of my life. I'm ready to walk free into what you've called me to, the mission you have me on. As I started doing that, God started moving. And what I realized is he was already moving the whole time. I just was never aware of it. And can I encourage you, church? God sent me all the way from Nashville, Tennessee, to tell you he's not done with you. He's not done with your mission. He's not done with your life. You see, the, 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 the simple phrase, and we're going to pray here, is to receive the Spirit today. If you, this, this, I, I'm shocked and amazed that all the stuff Jesus could have said to receive, receive a political leader, receive a new way of, uh, of, of being educated, receive some more information, receive uh, you know, three years of my teaching, I got an extra set of uh, messages I'm going to share with you, receive that. No, he doesn't say any of that. He just says, receive the Spirit. You've seen me do all the miracles. You've seen me do amazing stuff. Now is your turn. Now is your turn. And I sense the Lord is wanting you all to receive the Spirit. Maybe it's for the first time. Maybe it's freshly. Stand to your feet. I want to pray. Lord, I just thank you right now for my friends. I thank you the invitation remains that, that you continue to walk into lives that uh, didn't expect you, didn't understand um, what you're doing, just like these disciples, afraid, not sure, unconfident, least likely to see the world turns upside down. Lord, in just a couple centuries, Lord, you, you had used what happened that Easter morning to turn a whole empire upside down. And Lord, we're here because a bunch of teenagers received your spirit. Lord, I'm praying that you would do it again. Lord, I'm praying freshly, Lord, that you would encounter us in such a way, Lord, that we'd be able to walk out of every unlocked door and we would see it as a doorway, a path. Lord, as, as a stepping stone to your mission. Lord, thank you you've called this church, Lord, not just to gather and hold on, but Lord, to make a difference in this city. Lord, there, there are people, maybe they're here even this morning, that, that they're dead on the inside. Lord, trying their best to be hip and cool and um, get all of their fixes, so to speak, yet not get their fears fixed. Lord, has not left them alive on the inside. It's just, it's, it's bringing them down. And Lord, I'm praying today, Lord, you would do something fresh and new in our midst. Lord, you would, you would set us ablaze on the inside. You know, if you're here, and, and you know, I mentioned the, the part about being 
not alive on the inside. If you're, if you're here, you, you've never been alive to God to a point where you love him more than you love your sin, to a point where you're, you're willing to um, go wherever he leads, to, to, again, you can't say no to someone who is resurrected in front of your very eyes. There's a, there's a, a humbleness and, a, and an awe that you go, yeah, anything you want, man, you, you, you're amazing. If you've never had that happen where you've been made alive on the inside, I want to pray for you right now because I believe God wants to rescue you from your sin. You say, how does he rescue you from our sin? By giving you something better to love. There's no, there's no, there is nothing. There's no career. There is no spouse, significant other. There is, there is no one that's going to die for your sins. There's only one, Jesus. And if you say today, you know what? I just want you to lift your hand. You say today, I need to be made new on the inside. I've never had that happen. I've never come alive towards God. He's been drawing me. Again, maybe you're that something person. Man, something brought me in here. Something been telling me to do these things. I, I don't understand what's happening. The Lord's working. Long before you made a decision for him or make a decision, he made a decision about you. I love them. I want to show my love to them. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. I want to pray for you right now. You say, you know what? Today I need to come alive to God for the first time. I've never encountered a God who wants to change me from the inside out. Lord, I thank you right now for this hands. Lord, I thank you. Lord, that you're a redeeming God. I pray right now, Lord, that everything that the enemy meant for bad, you use for good. Every broken place, Lord, Lord, that you would use and, and cause it to be healed and made whole. I pray for everything that the enemy, Lord, meant for bad, you use for good even now. Lord, I, I pray for revelation, understanding, a surrender, a surrendered heart, willing to follow you wherever you go, wherever you want to take them. Lord, thank you right now. Their sin is, is, has been dealt with on the cross. Show them your wounds and show them that you have something greater for them than any sin they could go after. Second group of people I want to pray for is those who know they need to receive the Spirit freshly. Maybe you, you, you've kind of, the doldrums of life, the, every, the ordinary, the everyday, it's, it's, it's dimmed the light. And Jesus wants to shine his light bright over you. He wants to, he wants to resurrect some things in this place today. I'm, I'm telling you today, I feel is a supernatural Sunday for many of you. God is wanting to do some things and to shift some things and to reorder some things and to make some things alive in you. Some of you, there, there are prophecies and dreams and visions you guys have forgotten about. And I've come to say, no, 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 no. Thus saith the Lord, he has spoken. He says it shall be and it shall be. He says it's done and it's already finished. He said that it, what he started, he always finishes. And so if that's you, I want you just to come down front here. We're just going gonna to pray for you. We're going to lay our hands on you. We're going to pray that the Holy Spirit would touch your life in these next moments. And that he would encourage you so that when you walk out of this door, you know, oh yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going where Jesus is going. I'm going into locked up lives and I'm going to make a difference. If that's you, come on down here. I want to, we want to pray for you.
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Lord Jesus, thank you for coming into this place. Thank you that just as you entered that locked room, then you're continuing to enter into rooms, into hearts, situations, thought patterns. Lord, all of the different ways that we get locked up in fear and anxiety. Lord, in the complexity of life, our past, the future, Lord Jesus, we welcome you. We welcome you. Won't you come? Speak the word and set us free. Help us, Lord, to receive your spirit afresh. Just as Delvin said, Lord, it's not just a, did you do it one time? It's, have we received today? Have we received our daily bread today? Lord, would you fill us afresh today? Would you pour your love into our hearts today, right now? And cause your love to flow out of us like a river of living water. Lord, help us, Jesus. Lord, help us. As our worship team um, begins to lead us in song, I want to just encourage you. You know, we have a few people up front. This is special. This is what you might call a sacred moment. Um, but just because you didn't come down this little aisle doesn't mean like you're excluded from this moment. The Holy Spirit, I believe, is, is doing unique things in each one of our lives in this moment. And God only knows what that is, where you're at, what you're thinking about. But I want to invite you, just engage in your own way. Even as we sing these words, if you need to just like not sing out loud, but maybe just invite Jesus in, I encourage you. I encourage you. Holy Spirit, we welcome you to do what only you can do beyond words, beyond more information, even, even beyond mere emotions. Holy Spirit, won't you come unlock those places in our hearts, displace fear, and fill us once again in Jesus' name.